All right, if you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Kings, chapter number 2, and we're going to continue with our lesson. And Elisha, at some point, will probably branch off into some Christmas stuff, but for the time being, we'll stick with our current uh, Elisha lessons. And uh, today we're going to look at the curing of the water uh, that, that took place in Jericho. 2 Kings, chapter number 2, and verse number 18. 2 Kings, chapter number 2. Verse number 18, of course, we remember that Elijah had been uh, taken out in the whirlwind, and Elisha, of course, saw that. And then last week, we looked at uh, the fact that Elisha had crossed the Jordan. That was his very first miracle, where he took that mantle from Elijah and smote the waters. And he asked this question, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And uh, boy, how important it is that we come to a place where we ourselves uh, trust and depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ in our own faith. And uh, Elisha, of course, uh, did that and, and came to that point in his life, and that's important, and it's good for us. Uh, and so now we're going to look at the curing of the water after, uh, after the, he had crossed back over Jericho. Let's take up our story there in verse number 18. The Bible says this, And when they came again to him, for he tarried at Jericho, he said unto them, Did not I say unto you, Go not? Uh, let me just pause and just explain that. That was referring to the students, uh, the sons of the prophets that were in Jericho that had came to him and urged him uh, to, to send out 50 men to go look for the body of Elijah. We talked about that last week as well. So when they came back to him, uh, then he told them, hey, I told you not to go, uh, but you went anyway. And go on to verse number 19. And the men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord seeth, but the water is not, and the ground barren. And he said, Bring me a new cruise, and put salt therein, and they brought it to him. And he went forth into the springs of the waters and cast the salt in, in there and said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. So the waters were healed unto this day according to the saying of Elisha, which he spake. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for your word that we can study, that we can look at, that we can learn from. God, I pray that you would use me. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would bless each and every person. And God will certainly thank you for that. Encourage and strengthen um, the believers. And, and God, again, will thank you for that as well. God, I ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this in verse number 18, the reason I include it, because it says there, uh, for he tarried at Jericho. And Elisha was, was kind of hanging around. He came across the Jordan and then went back to Jericho. And I don't believe he lived there in Jericho, uh, but he was hanging out for a little bit. And it appears to me that he did not have any immediate direction from God. And, uh, and I kind of like the saying, I don't know if you ever heard the saying, but uh, grow where you're planted or bloom where you're uh, planted. And, and, you know, there's some good truth to that. And so uh, here Elisha is in Jericho uh, and, and he, uh, he's going to do whatever he can in service to the Lord. 
and while he's tearing there in Jericho. And listen, wherever you may be in life, whatever stage of life, obviously you live in Ohio, uh, but whatever stage of life, hey, we need to bloom where we're planted. We need to do something. We need to minister uh, as much as we can in the place where we are. And, uh, and so, uh, what an important thing. And we're going to look at the, the second miracle that Elisha did while he was here in Jericho. I want you to notice, first and foremost, the situation uh, there in Jericho. It says there in verse number 19, And the men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I, behold, I pray thee, the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord seeth. Uh, boy, we, I, I read that, and, uh, and as I think about it, I thought, man, you know, Jericho is a beautiful city. I, we went through Jericho, and we did not get a, we, we, our tour guide, we were in a hurry, and, uh, and he said this. He said, I want, you to, uh, I want you to get off the bus, take a picture of the sycamore tree, and get back on the bus. He said, we're going to do it Japanese style. And uh, I don't know what that means. I guess the Japanese get off the bus, take a picture, and get back on really quick. So, uh, so we, we didn't have a lot of time in Jericho, but we went through Jericho. And it really is a, a, a nice-looking city. I mean, as far as cities go, uh, it's green all around it. Well, when you're in a, a, a barren area or there's a lot of dryness, uh, then having a green oasis is, boy, a, a really a, a welcoming to the eye. And uh, it's kind of situated there on a hill. And, and that's what really they were emphasizing to, uh, to Elisha. They were saying, hey, you see that it's a pleasant city. And, uh, and certainly it must have been. Uh, and, and listen, sometimes if we're not careful, we can put so much on the outward that we're not concerned about the inward. And Jericho kind of had that problem. It looked nice on the outward, but it had a problem on the inside. Uh, and that was the thing of the water. And, uh, and listen, a lot of times we really take for granted the fact that we have uh, water on a regular basis. I mean, you know, we, we have water in our house. Um, and you, you smile, well, I've had hot water in my house my whole life. Well, uh, I've, I've been in houses where you didn't always have water in the house. I mean, sometimes you go to the spigot and you turn it on and nothing comes out. And you're like, well, we have water. We just don't have water. And, uh, and I remember, especially in Peru, there were many, many places in our kitchen, we didn't have, matter of fact, in most of our house, we didn't have hot water. Um, and you say, what'd you do there? Well, you use cold water, you put it on the stove and you boil it. And that's what we did. And so, uh, you know, we, we really take for granted the fact that we, we can go into the spigot in our bathroom in church and flip it on and boom, water comes out in abundance, in an endless supply. I mean, you can fill buckets and buckets of water and never think anything of it. Um, that reminds me of a time my kids in Peru, we had a well and, uh, and it was kind of a dry area. We didn't have good water in Peru. We always had problems with it. And, and uh, my kids were young and, and they, it was a, a warm day. And, and so they went outside and man, they were playing in the sprinkler and they were, you know, had buckets of water. They were throwing it at each other and all this. And, and they ran so much water for the next three days we had no water because our well went dry. Uh, you just can't do that in Peru. And so, uh, so, you know, we really take water for granted. And uh, in Jericho and in Bible times, 
Water was a really important resource. They didn't have it plumbed right into their house. They didn't just turn on a spigot and boom, there's water, uh, an endless supply of water. They had to go, uh, their, their cities were often built close to a water source. Why? Because somebody would have to go down to the water source with a bucket and retrieve water and bring it back to the house. And water is a very essential and vital part of life. Your crops need watered. Uh, if they're going to grow. Your animals that you're raising, your livestock, need water if they're going to grow and if they're going to survive. And then you need water on a daily basis. And so water is really a vital part of life. And though we're removed from farming and we're removed from that aspect uh, of maintaining our crops or maintaining our wildlife, uh, or not wildlife, but our, our livestock, um, listen, that was essential for them. And they were very much so aware of it. And, uh, and listen, they were very concerned about it. Uh, and historically, Jericho really was a great city. I mean, you think back to the first time when it was built, or where, where it shows up in the Bible, really, and the walls were huge. You remember when Joshua conquered the city of Jericho, and, and the walls were massive around it, so much so that houses were built into the walls. And, uh, and so it was a very uh, old city. It was a very beautiful city. Uh, but it had a bad situation, even in the pleasant situation of, of how it was there and the pleasant view of it. It was a perilous situation. They say there in verse number 19, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of the city is pleasant as my Lord seeth, but the water is not, and the ground barren. They had, uh, the, the word not means bad water. In other words, they had water, but it was no longer good. Um, and, uh, and if you've ever had bad water, uh, then, then you know, you know, in my house we have, uh, I thought, boy, this is a perfect illustration for this message. We have a water softener. And, uh, and, and uh, before we got our water softener, man, Everything white, the toilet, the sink, the shower, it all turns orange because we have very, uh, very uh, a lot of iron in our water. And, uh, and so, boy, we got this water softener put in, and, man, it was beautiful. We've been running for, I guess, two years now, and it was wonderful. And uh, as, we're, as we're going along, all of a sudden my water softener quit working, but I didn't know it. I, I went down and checked. Yep, it's got enough salt. My wife said, all right. All right, something not right with our water. And I checked, yep, it's got enough salt. And I looked and I said, well, it's going to recycle today. It'll be okay. And it recycles every so often. And, and, uh, and uh, a couple, couple, three, four days later, she said, I'm telling you, there's something not right with our water. I go down and I check. Yep, there's salt in it. Yep, it's going to recycle tonight. It'll be all right. It'll be better. And uh, we probably went a month like that. And everything started turning orange. And I'm like, there's something not right with our water softener. And I go down and, and, uh, and I looked and, and sure enough, um, after looking at it, uh, it said it was supposed to recycle. I thought, I'm going to go down tomorrow and see if it recycled. I went down the next day to see if it recycled. It still said it was going to recycle. And I said, that thing's not recycling. I don't know what's going on. And I put my ear up to it and there was no power. There was no, but, but what happens with water uh, is if it's a, it, it changes subtly and you don't start to realize. 
And our water started going bad, and it was subtle. It was not instantaneous. Everything became orange. It was, you know, things got a little bit worse in one week, and the next week things got a little bit worse. And, and after a month of no water softener, we were back to square one where we had been, and we're realizing, well, there's something wrong. And in Jericho, their waters, I don't know if it was a subtle problem, but because their waters were bad, it caused all kinds of other problems. Uh, their, their city, their crops were barren. That's what he says there, uh, because the water was bad. And what, what caused that? Well, if you remember, we talked about this in Elijah, in our lessons on Elijah, but back in Joshua, you can just note this down, Joshua 6.26, the Bible says, And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. And we, of course, looked at that in Ahab's day. Hiel was the guy, and you can jot this down, 1 Kings 16.34 uh, talks about when it was rebuilt, and Hiel built it, and his Two first, his two sons died while he was building it. Consequently, that is the only place they are mentioned in the Bible. They're never mentioned again. And, uh, and I think because it was rebuilt, it still maintained that curse that God had placed and Joshua had placed on the city of Jericho. And therefore, it may have been a beautiful city, but it had a problem. And that was the source of water had been cursed in Jericho. And, uh, and, and obviously, if the water's bad, what's that going to do for the, for, the, for the plants? Well, they're watering their crops, they're watering all of those things, but guess what? They may be growing, but they're not producing very well. They may not be very healthy. Uh, the, the fruit that comes off of them may not be very good, and it may be very problematic. And listen, what an example of how sin is a complete destroyer in our life. And listen, you might, you might get away with a little bit of sin and say, well, you know, it's not that bad. Oh, you know, and, and you might get used to things. You might say, well, it's not that bad. No, it's not that bad. And, and we grow to accept sin in our life. But ultimately what it is doing, it is, it's taking away from the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And it's not producing like it ought to be. And the fruit is not healthy like it ought to be. And, and pretty soon we have a barren spiritual life that's not producing like it ought to be. Why? Because sin will get in there and will destroy our life. And listen, it'll happen slowly, like the illustration of our water. You know, over time, we didn't notice. Uh, I, I'm thinking that that water softener was probably off for a solid month before I ever realized. And I would check on it. Maybe you check up on your life and maybe you say, well, you know, it looks, I mean, it's got salt and, and it looks like it's there and it looks like everything's good, but it wasn't. And maybe your life, you say, man, everything looks good, but there's something wrong. Hey, listen, we need to make sure that, that we don't have uh, any sin in our life and that we're not corrupted uh, by things that, that are in our life that maybe others can't see that are on the inside that we've got to be very careful of. Because why? It will destroy our fruit eventually. Hey, it is going to have an effect on our life. And we ought to be very careful. It is a slow process, but it takes place. We see the situation of the curing that, listen, Jericho certainly needed a touch from the man of God. Uh, it needed a touch from God. 
And, uh, and we see that because of the situation of it. Look at the solicitation of the curing in verse number 19. Verse 19, it says, And the men of the city said unto Elisha, the men of the city, listen, they were prudent in going to Elisha and, and uh, asking for help. The first thing is they recognized that there was uh, a problem. You know, many times our pride or fear or being viewed as weak or ignorant keeps us from requesting the help that we need. Um, listen, sometimes we think, well, people will think I'm ignorant or people will think I'm dumb or people will think I'm, not, I'm weak and I'm not able to do things. Uh, listen, I'm glad that the men of this city were prudent and recognize, hey, we have a problem and we're not able to solve this problem and we're not able to take care of this situation. And they went to the man of God, to Elisha, who had just started his public ministry, and they said, hey, we have a problem here. And, uh, and because you're here, hey, we certainly could use you. And the fact that they requested help was very prudent. We ought to be prudent in recognizing problems and, and finding the help that they needed. Uh, look, I want you to notice that they went to the man of God. Uh, what a wonderful example. Uh, they came to him and they said, hey, we need your help in this. We need your advice. Listen, uh, I was thinking about this. I've heard this before, but uh, you know why I go to a doctor? Because he studied more about the body than I have. He knows way more than I do. You know why I go to a dentist? Because he knows more about my teeth. I'm not an expert in teeth. I'm not an expert in health. You know why I go to a mechanic sometimes? Because the problem's over my head. And, and, and the guy, the mechanic, has studied mechanics, and he knows far more about mechanics than I do. And uh, you know why I go to a lawyer? Same reason. He knows more about the law. I don't know a whole lot about the law. I mean, I might study a little bit, and we ought to have some kind of responsibility there. But ultimately, many times, we go to somebody. Hey, listen, the men of Jericho, they went to the man of God because they recognized, hey, this is a spiritual problem. We need spiritual help. And the man of God can help us. And listen, it's important to seek godly counsel sometimes uh, when we need help and, and find uh, help from the, the man of God and from the word of God. And these men, the leaders of that city, recognize their need uh, for Elisha. And so they went to Elisha. And that was a very prudent move on their part. It was wise for them to do that. And I want you to notice this as well, uh, the promptness of their going. Uh, listen, it was an opportunity. Elisha was not a resident of Jericho. He just happened to be there. And we read in verse number 18 that he was tarrying there. In other words, that he was just kind of hanging out before he was moving on to where, wherever God would move him next. And, and, uh, and while he was there, they said, hey, you know what? Elisha's here and, and uh, he's a man of God and we ought to consult him. Kind of reminded me of, of Saul when when his dad sent him to look for the, the donkeys that were lost. And, uh, and they went and they could not find them. And eventually uh, they said, hey, there's the man of God, Samuel, that's here. 
And they went to the man of God and asked him, hey, can you help us find uh, these donkeys? And of course, Samuel then uh, anointed Saul to be king over Israel. And I'm just saying that it was a prudent thing and it was a prompt thing that they went to the man of God and jumped at the opportunity uh, to, to, uh, to find uh, the man of God there and to consult him. Uh, you know, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. And sometimes, boy, we let opportunities slip by us. Sometimes we let opportunities to witness to people slip by us. Sometimes we let opportunities uh, to minister slip by us. Sometimes we let opportunities uh, to, to maybe uh, get prayer or get counsel slip by us. And listen, we ought to be careful that we don't miss those opportunities. Those men of the city, uh, they were careful not to miss that opportunity. Boy, I think uh, that was prudent on their part. Boy, and I think of America, I think, boy, we have had lots of opportunity at spirituality in our country. I mean, you think of the great revivals that have taken place historically uh, in America and, and the prevalence of the Word of God throughout our country. Boy, we've had great opportunities, and I fear in our country there have been many missed opportunities where people have just let the Word of God go. And they've missed it, and they've, uh, they've, they've dropped the ball as far as opportunities. And, and boy, I don't want us to lose or miss opportunities to hear from God. And so while Elisha was there, they promptly went to them. They prudently asked him, saying, hey, uh, can you help us? Uh, and so they talked to the man of God. And I want you to notice not just the situation and the solicitation of the curing, but I want you to notice these specifics. This is interesting. In verse number 20, look at what it says. And he said, bring me a new cruise and put salt therein. And they brought it to him. I want you to notice that Elisha had the answer. And, uh, and I'm sure that God gave him the answer. Uh, and he commanded those men. You know, I was thinking about this. In the Bible, many, many miracles start with a command. You go through many of the miracles, the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, what did Jesus say? Hey, make the men sit down in groups. Uh, and so they, number, they sat them down and then they numbered them. Uh, they all had to sit down. You remember when Jesus changed the water into wine. What did he say? Go get me the pots. That was the first thing. They were to obey and go and do. Uh, Elisha here, uh, when the men of the city come to him and they say, hey, we've got a problem. He says, here's what I want you to do. Go get the cruise, a new cruise, and put salt therein. And that's a strange request. I, I was thinking this morning, actually, as I read that, I thought, boy, but the Bible's first water softener, all right? Add salt to a water. You don't generally add salt to a water and make it better. Uh, matter of fact, if you add salt to a water and then you drink it, it's not good. You won't enjoy it, okay? And I don't recommend you doing that. Um, but, but that's what uh, Elisha had, had asked for. And, uh, and so the men of the city, they went and they brought him a, a cruise and they brought him salt therein. And uh, it's curious why salt and it's curious why a cruise. And, and uh, these may be symbols that may point to that. I'm not saying uh, definitively that they are, but, but certainly salt represents a cleansing agent in the Bible. 
And it's curious that they would throw salt into the water. But listen, it reminds us of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Praise the Lord for that. Hey, we can't earn our own salvation. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that salt represented a cleansing agent, a purifying agent that, uh, that Elisha would put into that spring. And I find it interesting there. He says, look with me in verse number 20, this again. He says, and he said, bring me a new cruise. You say, what's a cruise? A cruise is simply a vessel, a, a jar, or a, a cup, or, or, or some vessel that would hold uh, the salt. And, and he asked for specifically a new one. Why do you ask for a new one? Well, a couple things. I think, number one, so it would be clean. And boy, it reminds us of the body of Jesus Christ that was sinlessly perfect. It was without sin. And, uh, and listen, it was the agent that held the salt and that salt would not be contaminated. And the blood of Jesus Christ was not contaminated with any sin. His life was absolutely pure and clean. And, uh, and as we think about the fact that, hey, uh, that's what Elisha asked for. Hey, listen, that's what we need today. We need, the, we need a sinless, perfect sacrifice. Well, praise the Lord, that was done in Jesus Christ. And we just need to trust in His sacrifice and ask Him to save us. And He cleanses us. Notice the application, not just the commanding of the men, but notice the, the applying of the salt in verse 21. And He went forth unto the spring of water and cast the salt in there and said, Thus saith the Lord. He cast the, the, the salt and uh, right into the spring. Listen, you can have the solution. I've used this illustration many times. You go to the doctors and if you're sick and the doctors give you a medicine and you go to the pharmacist and you buy that medicine, you get it and you take it home and, and you put it on your counter and you say, yep, I got the medicine. But you don't ever take that medicine. It's not going to help you sitting there on the counter. It's not going to do a, a blessed thing for you. It's not going to change anything. And, and your doctor said, well, I don't understand why you're not getting better. Did you get the medicine? Yeah, doc, I got the medicine. Many times we, 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 we hold the word of God and we say, I got the cure. I got, I got everything I need, but we don't apply it to our life. It's not enough just to come to church and sit in church and listen to uh, the preaching of the Word of God. It's not enough just to say, well, you know, I, I, sometimes we, we read and, and we dismiss everything that we read, but we never apply it to our life. Listen, we have got to apply. We've got to take what the Word of God tells us and apply it to our life. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's what's going to make the difference. Merely having the Word of God in your house and on your person is not going to make a difference in your life. You have got to read it and say, wow, that applies to me. And I need to do that in my life. If we have all of the answers, but we don't apply them to our lives, it's not going to make a difference in our life. And, and, and Elisha could have taken that salt. Okay, I got the cure. We're going to set it right here, but we're not going to put it in the water. It wouldn't have changed anything. It wouldn't have made a difference. 
uh, having the cure is a far cry from applying the cure uh, to the problem. And, and listen, he applied it directly to the problem, to the source of the problem. Hey, listen, the Word of God has got to be applied to the very heart of our life. Not just the superficial things, not just the outside things, not just the easy things, but to every part of our life, we've got to take the word of God and say, hey, listen, this applies to my life and I need it in my life. We've got to apply it to the very source of our life. We find in 21 that he applied the solution. I love this and look in verse number, or excuse me, verse number 20 it was. Look at verse number 21 and I love this. No, it was verse 21. Verse 21, And he went forth unto the spring of the water and cast the salt therein. Look at what he said. And said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. I love this about Elisha. Elisha could have said, he could have just simply said, okay, put the application in. Okay, I healed your waters. No, he didn't do that. He said, the Lord said, and he pointed all the glory and all the victory to the Lord. And he said, listen, it's the Lord that did this. It's not me. And, and he was not trying to steal the glory from God. He proclaimed the very word of God and said, listen, it's God that did this thing. And it's God that's going to fix your life. Listen, I, I as, a, as a preacher and as a Christian, man, I will help, I will pray, I will counsel, I will preach, I will do what I can. But listen, it's going to be God that changes your life. I can't change your life. Uh, God's got to change your life. And, and listen, Elisha uh, was very quick to point out, hey, it's not me that changed the source uh, of this water or that healed this water, but it's God that took care of this problem. And, and listen, we've got to be so careful that, that we don't claim victories that are God's and that we don't take God's glory. Hey, everything that we do and everything that we have a positive impact on, we ought to say, to God be the glory. We sing that song. I love that song. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. We go on as we sing it. Hey, we ought to sing that every day with our life, with our actions. He says in the New Testament, uh, in, in Matthew, I think it's chapter 5, and I can't think of the exact words, but, but that men may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Boy, that ought to be the case in our life. That was the case with Elisha. The good works where the waters were healed. The glory was all to God. And he said, hey, look, the Lord said that he healed your waters today. Not only that, but I love this. Look at what he says there in the last part of verse 21. We'll start in the middle of the verse. Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters. Look at what he says. There shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. Boy, isn't God a wonderful God? When he heals something, when he changes something, God doesn't do a halfway job. God didn't, didn't fix it temporally. God didn't fix it uh, just 
halfway so that, well, there'll be okay waters. No, no, no. God said, hey, I'm going to fix it so that there won't be any more barren land. When you take this water and you water your crops with it, your crops are going to get better. The, 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 the produce is going to get better. Your livestock is going to be more healthy. Your life is going to be more healthy because God healed this, land, this water source. And listen, it would, God, what God does, He does in a good fashion and He does on a permanent basis. Thank God for his salvation and how he changes our life. Listen, we're not saved temporarily until we mess up again. Man, if we were only saved until we messed up again, we'd, we'd all be lost the next day. We'd probably be lost the next hour, to be honest with you, because we mess up. Uh, and we're sinful people. But praise the Lord that His salvation is a permanent salvation. It's a permanent fix. It's not a partial fix. And listen, what God does for us, He does on a, a permanent basis. We ought to thank God for the salvation. We ought to thank God for the fix in our life. And, uh, and praise the Lord for the solution uh, of God changing our life and making us different. We see Elisha. We see the specifics of the curing. We see the uh, situation that was very necessary. They were in dire needs. Oh, it looked beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, man, there were problems in, in Jericho. And listen, we see God's solution, that He uh, specified all of those things, and then God cleansed and changed those waters. Praise the Lord for that. We ought to give God the honor and glory for all the things that He does in our life, for how He's changed our life, for how He's changed our source in our life and made our waters pure and made our waters clean. And uh, again, not because of us, but because of Him. Praise the Lord for the solution that He provided for us on the cross of Calvary. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank You for your salvation. And God, how good you are to us. God, that you would save us, that you would change us. And God, it is a permanent change. God, I thank you for the salvation. God, I pray that you would help us to, in all of our good works and in all of the things that we, we would do, God, that we would point the honor and glory to you. God, truly, you're an amazing God. And we thank you so much for, for saving us, for changing us. God, I pray that you would help us to minister, to reach others, to be a blessing. Father, we'll thank you for that. God, I ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation. God's spoken to your heart. The altar's open. You can pray there in your seat. How's your water source this morning? Is it corrupted by sin? Is it slowly degraded over time? Listen, the source and the cleansing is still the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll change your life. He'll help you. A Christian, maybe you got away from the Lord. Get back to the Lord and, boy, He'll clean it right up and help you right out.